What I'm going to talk to you about today is priorities. It's priorities. I'm going to get this straight here. Get priorities of the present. And maybe how the Holy Spirit does work in our lives to work those things out. But I only have one verse I want to speak to you about, and that's in Proverbs 27, verse 1. In Proverbs 27, verse 1. If you'd be turning there. But what we have right now, at this moment, is what we have. Amen. There is no promise of tomorrow for any of us. Having priorities in the right order is essential with whom we relate to and whom we serve. God wants to be a priority in our lives. We put God first and other things will always follow. If you'll put God first in your life, the other good things will follow. So we, but we characterize things like this. We characterize what's first in our life, what's second in our life, and last in our lives. And we all characterize what's most important to us according to us, but not according to God. God has those different plans than we have. Amen. So we have to ask, what's the most important thing in your life right now, in the moment, at the present? And you made the right choice because you come to church or listening to this message. But we're going to look at uh, Proverbs 27.1. I'm going to read that real quick. And it just simply says this. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That's simple, isn't it? That's right. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. We have no sense of knowing what tomorrow is going to be, or even if tomorrow is even going to come in our lives. We don't know that, do we? None of us do. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. But hopefully this message helps you get your priorities straight for the present time. What you have is what you have right now, as we mentioned earlier. But priorities of the present, as we look at this, we're going to be the first one. We all have to face the priority question daily. There's a question that you have to face each and every day when you get up, and that is, what is the most important decision you must make today? What's the most important decision that you must make today? And the second one would be, will this decision have eternal consequences? Or eternal results? If I make a decision today, is it going to affect my life or somebody else's life for the rest of my life? So we need to think about that. That's something we don't normally think about. That's something we don't normally see. That's something we don't go back and look at. But we have to ask, what's the most important decision you must make today? And will today's decision have eternal consequences? Right. It affects somebody else's life besides yours. And, of course, the danger of putting off important decisions. Also, there's a danger of always putting off important decisions, of waiting too long, which is what we like to do a lot of times, don't we? Because the devil always tells us that we have more time. He says, you're young, you got more time, you, you don't need this right now in your life. And that's a lie from the devil. And he makes you put that off at the present time. And we're just going to see how important it is. Remember, boast not about tomorrow because you don't know about tomorrow. The only one knows about tomorrow in your life would be God himself. So we see this, the danger of putting off important decisions. The length of life is always uncertain for anyone and sometimes requiring immediate action. And what prioritizes or priorities demand your attention before the day is through? What comes most important in your life? 
Is it sitting down reading a devotion, reading a, a verse in the Bible, or what is it most important in your life? So as we look at these, we're going to see the first thing, the priority of salvation. That should be a priority in our lives. Amen. Answer to those who plan to be saved. I heard this so many times. Well, I plan to be saved someday. I plan on coming to church someday. I plan on being a part of God's family someday. Well, what day is someday? Because that someday may not come in your life. That someday could be today that you need to do it. Because you have no, no guarantee of tomorrow. Because the Bible tells us, Behold, now is accepting time. And behold, now is the day of salvation. And when he said those, he meant that you don't know about your time. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. And it vanishes away. It's here and it vanishes. It's here and it vanishes away. Because we don't know. God holds a future. Salvation should be a priority over any success. So many times it's the opposite way. And success takes priority over salvation. So when success takes priority over salvation, it means I'm going to put my job first. I'm going to put this family first. I'm going to put this first in my life right now while I'm young and able to do it. I'm going to put these first in my life while I can still uh, think about stuff like this. And I'll worry about God later on. Folks, there's a many of people said that in their life who never made that confession because they didn't have a chance. All of us is one heartbeat away from heaven's door, from the judgment seat of Christ. But we don't think about it because it seems like everything's going well. That's when things seem to fall apart, doesn't it? Salvation should have a priority over success. Success in life can be fleeting and deceiving. We can be successful and still be a Christian. There's nothing wrong with that. It's how you prioritize. It's what you put first in your life says who you are. What you put first in your life tells about who you serve. What you put first in your life tells what you're going to do. All those things. Successful Saul and Tarsus learned a lesson. You see, success in life is fleeting and deceiving. All the earth gains is temporary. You can gain everything in the world. You have all the money the world has to offer, all the success, all the fame, all those things. And it doesn't guarantee salvation. Matter of fact, it takes you away from salvation. It pulls you away from it. But priority is salvation. Should be a priority in our life. So wise ones follow his example and make sure of salvation. So we have to ask, have we settled an important question? What is the most important decision I must make today? Because today is what we have in the present. Right. This is all we have. We don't even have no guarantee of this afternoon, tonight. We just don't have it. So how long have you intended to do so? I know people, they said, man, I'm going to get right with the Lord one day when I get all this straightened out and all that. And I, my question, I always, I always tell them, well, get right now and all these other things are straightened out. Right. Right. You need to get right now and other things are straightened out for you. You allow God to take control of it and Him take rid of that other stuff. But people's hard to understand that because the Bible says that the devil has uh, uh, blinded our eyes, hasn't he? We don't see those things. We just see what's here and now. But he's blinded our eyes and we don't see it. So we think we have more time. We think we're going to have success. But the priority of salvation should be the first. The priority of seeking souls should be next. You know, Jesus was constantly seeking lost people. Do you know throughout the ministry of Jesus he was seeking lost people? There's a lot of good uh, truths in the Bible to talks about Jesus seeking lost souls. And there are some of my favorite ones. 
Now, Jesus was constantly seeking lost. The woman at the well, one of my favorite ones. Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. But he said in the Bible, I must needs go through Samaria. Why did he must needs go through Samaria? Because there was a woman who come to Jacob's well to draw water every day that needed salvation. Amen. Now, they wasn't, Jews wasn't welcome in Samaria. Because she said right off the bat, she said, Why? You being a Jew are talking to me a Samaritan. Because the Jews don't have no dealings with Samaritans. We're two different type of people here. But he wasn't with Jesus, was he? It didn't matter to him what she was. It didn't matter to him what she'd done. It didn't matter to him where she was at. He was going to meet her where she was at. One of the, one of the great truths of the Bible. He was seeking her because she was lost. And he knew everything about her before he ever got to her. So one day she goes out just like normal. She's going to go draw water, go back to the house just like a normal day. And there's Jesus sitting by the well. And he strikes up a conversation with her. And he said, give me a drink. That's what started the conversation. Then he got into the salvation part. And before he got through, guess what? She told the whole city about a man who told me all that I ever did. Says, is not this Jesus? Is this not the Christ? She got saved. He met her where she was at. And he'll do the same for you and I. He'll meet us wherever we're at. That's what he's here for. That's what he come for. But the old woman at the well, Zacchaeus. What about Zacchaeus? He was one of the, the chief tax collectors in the city. Not only do they mean tax collectors, it also means a thief. They would steal your money. They would take everything you had because they were able to set up what they wanted to charge. What they do is they would buy the census from the Roman government and they would get the rights to be the tax collector through the Roman government. And the Roman government wanted so much, but they said, whatever you can get above that, it's yours. So they would rob them, basically, through taxes. And Zacchaeus had done this for many years. And one day Jesus come in town. He knew where Zacchaeus was at. Zacchaeus, the Bible tells us, was just a small man. We all know the story from vacation Bible schools and different things. And it says he scurried up into a tree to see what he could see. And he was looking for Jesus, and he wanted to see Jesus. But when Jesus got there, he stopped. And he said, Zacchaeus, you must come down from because tonight, tonight we're going to have we're going to have a, we're going to have dinner together. And all of them talked about, well, there's that Jesus going in there with a sinner, a chief sinner, to have dinner, and he's going to invite his friends to come. You see, the priority is seeking souls. The disciples were called first, what? Fishers of men, wasn't he? Right. Jesus went around, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers. But he was just common, ordinary people. Out on the Sea of Galilee, fishing each and every day. Fishing was their livelihood. That's how they made the money. They sold the fish at the market. People bought the fish. They sold them to the market. And they made their money. That way they could have their livelihood. This is what paid their bills. This is what kept the roof over their head. This is what kept their boat afloat, basically. So one day they're down there and they're mending nets. They're getting ready. It's a good time to go fishing each and every day. They would do this. And Jesus said, come with me. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to be throwing out a net, but it ain't going to be a net for fish. You're going to be catching mankind, men, women, boys, girls, tell them about salvation. Their priority in life was to reach people. The, the disciples' priority in life was to reach people. Right. That they would come to know Jesus. 
See, we're to be imitators of these disciples, these apostles. We're to be imitators of them and let other people know what great things the Lord has done for us. See, Paul was alert to every opportunity of evangelism also. What about Paul? One day, you know where he was headed? He was headed down the road to Damascus. You know what he was headed to do? Kill Christians. Right. That was his job. For those who confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, for those who trusted in God, he'd kill them. That's what he did. But guess what? One day was his last because he was going down that road and Jesus met him on that road. Blinded his eyes. He said, I'm going to send you to a man's house named Ananias. And when you get to Ananias' house, so he's going to lay his hand upon you. He's going to pray for you. And your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be changed. Paul became one of the great, greatest evangelists in the entire Bible other than Jesus himself. See, he changed. He didn't have his priorities right. None of these people that I just mentioned had their priorities right. The woman at the well didn't have her priority right. She wasn't thinking about seeing Jesus that day. Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus, but he wasn't right with him, but he's about to get that way. The disciples, just an ordinary, ordinary day with ordinary men going out fishing each and every day. They found Jesus that day. It was a priority. We're to be imitated. So Paul, when he was on the road to Bethesda, he wasn't expecting to have a life-changing event in his life. I want to tell you, when you meet Jesus, it's a life-changing event forevermore. He don't only change the, the inside, he changed the outside, he changed everything about you. Puts a new heart within you. You look at things different than we used to. So Paul was alert to every opportunity of evangelism. The conversion of Lydia by at the Riverside prayer meeting. He had, there was a prayer meeting down in, it's mentioned in Acts, in the book of Acts, it's in Acts 16 that I want to read to you. But in Acts 16, in verse 14, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in the city of Teatr, which uh, worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul and when she was baptized in her household she besought us saying if ye have judgment judge me to be faithful to the Lord come into my house and abide there and she constrained us I means she took care of them she fed them she took care of them changed heart you know and then the salvation of the old Philippian jailer what about him in that day when he was in charge, he was the chief jailer. If you escaped, it was him responsible. Not anybody else. It fell back on him. So that day when the, the God rained down and broke the gates off of the jail that Paul and Silas were in, and that old Philippian jailer was about to kill himself, he was about to commit suicide because he had lost all the prisoners that was in there. He thought he'd had anyway. And about the time Paul called out and said, Do yourself no harm. He said, We're all here. Said, There ain't none of us went nowhere. Everybody's still here. And you know what he done after that big event? Taught him about Jesus and how to be saved. Guess what happened? The same guy that put the stripes on Paul's back ends up washing the stripes on Paul's back and putting medication upon Paul's back. And he got saved. He got saved and his household. Means he went home and he told his wife and kids, there's a man down at the jail that has told me about a man named Jesus.
who has completely changed my life and I believe him and I received him and I accept him. He told me about him dying upon the cross of Calvary. He told me about him uh, being beaten beyond recognition and about him being buried and rose again the third day. He's told me about this and it just took my heart over and I was about to, to commit suicide when this come in and he changed my life and his whole household got saved and baptized. It changed this guy. Wasn't this something? Then he can change yours too. So there's the priority of salvation, which is the number one thing that should be in our life, everybody's life. It's the number one thing in our family's life that we want to see our family get saved because it promises a place in heaven together because we didn't promise it. God promised it. Amen. Then, then the priority is seeking souls. We get saved. We want to tell others about it, don't we? And let other people know that we got saved and we want other people to know that they can get saved. You see, how important is it for each of us to seek souls? Then the third thing is the priority of sending soul winners. You know, here's the priority of having a part in the Great Commission. We call it the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world. We call it the Great Commission. It's just speaking the word, baptizing them. The Great Commission. Boast not thyself about tomorrow because you don't have no promise of tomorrow. You see, a good caution against presuming upon time to come is boast thyself not about tomorrow, much less of many days or years to come. We're blessed to be here. We're blessed to be healthy enough to be here. See, this don't forbid. When he says in this word, boast thyself not of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may rain forth, this does not forbid preparing for tomorrow. It doesn't bid preparing for tomorrow. Uh -huh. We have to prepare ahead of times, don't we? It don't mean that you can't make plans, but just be aware that if you don't make it through, God had other plans. Yep. God has something else in store. We make plans. It doesn't forbid preparing for tomorrow, but presuming upon tomorrow. See, some people say, well, I'll be there tomorrow. Well, you don't know if you will be or not. <laughs> to be truthful about it, it's, Lord, it's Lord's will. We're always taught if it's Lord's will, we'll do such and such. And the Bible teaches that, doesn't it? If it's God's will, I'll be there tomorrow. If it's God's will, I'll see you next week. If it's God's will, we'll gather again. But we don't know that, do we? See, we must not promise ourselves a continuance of our lives and comforts till tomorrow, but speak of it with submission to the will of God. That's what we used to do. Eh? Speak to it with commission to the will of God. And a good consideration of which this caution is grounded. We, need not, we, we don't know what a day may bring forth. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know about what's going to be tomorrow or next week or anything. And little do we know. But here's one that does. is God. Amen. When you put your life in His hands, He'll direct it. And here's the thing. If you're saved, it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Because you'll be in heaven. Amen. I always thought about that. You know, if the thing don't work out, guess where I'll end up at? I'm going to end up in heaven. How do I know that? By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And trusting Him as my Savior. You see, we're, in the meantime... We're not just sit back and wait for the Lord to come, are we? Say, well, I got saved, now I'm going to wait for the Lord to come. No, we're to tell others about Jesus. We're to be soul winners. Great churches not only go with the gospel, but send missionaries and support missionaries. And missionaries give and sending 
are vital to a healthy church. So we think of this, how precious are these priorities to our congregation? And, and then we have to say, when you put God first, everything else is going to follow right there. That's right. When God's your priority, God's the first one you consult. God's the first one you go to in the morning. God's the last one you go to every night before you go to bed. God's the first one that you ask to help you through something. You're putting God first. You're putting God up as a priority. You're putting God in the forefront. You're making Him first. We'll characterize things of setting beginning. Well, this is first. Well, maybe we characterize it like we do our bills. Well, I'll pay this in first. Then when I get paid, I'll pay this in second. <laughs> you know, but he's putting it in there is God first. When you put God first, everything else will follow. Everything else will follow. We just have to learn how to train ourselves to put God first. But so many times the old world comes in with different things. Yeah. So many times things hit us hard and we don't know which way to turn and we turn without God. We'll do that. It's easy to do, isn't it? It's is so easy to jump out of something and go for it without asking God which direction to go. That's right. We can depend on a GPS to get us in our location where we want to go, but we can't depend on God to get us across the street. God will send you in the right direction. And you'll go nowhere as God hadn't already been. That's what He does, isn't it? If we'll put Him first. But how do we get Him up there first? We'll just keep this in mind. And He'll become a priority. Proverbs 27.1 Don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. If you keep that in mind, you'll put God first on everything. Because you know that you may not have tomorrow. A lot of people don't want to face reality. They want to think they just have more time. We, we're just geared that way, aren't they? We want to think we've got more time. And we always don't. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you this day, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you, Father, that we can look at your word where it says, boast not tomorrow. Let us never think about tomorrow without you. If someone's here today and don't know Jesus, someone listen, don't know Jesus, maybe today will be a day of salvation. That they'll just ask you to come into their lives, that they're a sinner in need of your hand. And they need your touch, and need salvation in their life. We know what your word says, if you ask, you'll give. And let us help put the most important thing in our life as you and no one else. And we know the other things will follow. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.